Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little bit more about us, visit satanicdelco.com. Today, I'm going to answer a bunch of questions that have come in from some of you guys via email and social media. Some of them are brand new, and some have been sitting in my inbox for a little while. But first, let's welcome some awesome Satanists that have joined up with our gang in Satanic Delco recently through Patreon. We've got Jacob, Rick, Cassidy, Erica, The Lady Diamond, Ryan, Craig, Greg, Octavia, Crystal, another Crystal, Isaac, Dez, Dennis, and Jason. Thank you guys very much. I sincerely appreciate your continued support. If you all have a minute out there, please visit our website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You'll find links to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. We have a few different tiers to choose from with various benefits, including our amazing Greetings from Hell Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. That is the most direct way you can support me and the show if you'd like to do that. Visit HailSatanPodcast.com. All right, shall we just get right into the questions? Let's do it. Our first one up is from Gina. She writes, I know your group is near Philadelphia. Have you heard about the recent issues in TST's Philadelphia congregation? I've seen some posts online about it. Can you shed some light on this situation? All right. Some good old TST drama to kick things off. We all love that. Yes, Gina, I certainly have heard all about it. So first, let me give some background. There's a man that I know as Robert Brown. I suspect that most of the Philly TST followers know him as Jack Mongoose, whatever the fuck that means. He has been the main leader guy of that Philadelphia TST group for some time. I don't remember to what level of detail I've mentioned him on the podcast before, but I may have. I had a bunch of interactions with him back a while as the TST Philly group was working on becoming an official chapter and later a congregation. He came to me. He came to my house because he wanted to have a meeting. We sat in my backyard and talked for a while. On another occasion, I met up with him and some others at a park in Philadelphia to help that Philly group along. Needless to say, at the end of the day, we had dramatically different ideas about how things should go and how to run a group. He was described by other TST group leaders as abrasive, and I found that to be true. He made these ridiculous offers that would result in Satanic Delco 
being absorbed into the Philly TST group. And all I had to do was play ball. I had to not say certain things. I was directed to word things a certain way online. And best of all, I wouldn't be able to run charity campaigns for people in need like Satanic Delco does. Well, I didn't play ball. And I would never. He didn't like that. He told me in no uncertain terms that if I didn't get my shit together and go along with his vision for how this should all go, that he would spread around some nasty, baseless stories about me. And like I said, I wasn't going to play ball. So that's what he did. But that was then. So what now? What are these recent issues that Gina asked about? Well, I'll tell you. In a message posted right there to the TST Philadelphia group by Eerie Twilight, one of the current admins over there, quote, Jack Mongoose was removed as a lead in our congregation on February 11th, 2023 by TST's Society of Congregations Concerns Committee. While he was not removed from TST or even the congregation itself, Mr. Mongoose made the decision to delete multiple assets created by and in some cases paid for by the congregation. These actions on his part have led our congregation's senior leadership to vote Jack out of our congregation as per the rules outlined in our bylaws and membership manual. We are currently in the process of recovering multiple assets Jack has removed or altered, including a full list of vetted member information, photos taken during events slash paid for out of event funds, and the receipts from events in 2022, which Jack ran from his personal Eventbrite account, end quote. I like that someone wrote Mr. Mongoose. <laughs> so what does all of this mean? It means that Bob or Jack is an unethical, dishonest person that can't be trusted at all. Now, I already knew that. But you know who else knew that? TST's Surian Council already knew that. The Surian Council is essentially TST's HR department. Most people don't even know it exists. But when you have a problem... That's supposedly where these things get taken up. They knew this dude was a problem because I had a whole conversation with them where I told them a bunch of the shit he was up to and how it went against the code of conduct, not to mention any standard of common decency. But because the satanic temple is rotten on the inside, combined with the fact that I am an open critic of TST... They chose to ignore my claims, allow him to run a group, and even ordain him as a minister of Satan. (laughs) And how did that go? Well, we see just how it went. He inevitably turned his shitty ways on his own congregation, and they had to kick him the fuck out. And since this all went down, Simple Jack himself has confirmed that he has also been thrown out of TST's ministry. He's been defrocked and disgraced. Had they listened 
and done the right thing, all these headaches that the Philly group is going through now would have been avoided. Thank you, Gina. Number two, I've got the questions numbered this time, guys. I am a professional. Number two from Mitchy. Mitchy, I'm not sure. Hey, I listened to your podcast for maybe a year now, but I'm still figuring out my spiritual religious beliefs. I've just turned 21, and I realized in a few more years I'll have finished the first quarter of my life. As someone who's only just begun to question the existence of an afterlife, I began having a bit of a panic over the idea of pure nothingness after death. How do you remain comfortable with that idea? Thank you so much for all that you do and keep being awesome. Well, shit. Thank you for the kind words. First of all, and I hate to be the bearer of grim news, but you may already be finished the first quarter of your life. And if we're being honest, you might already be finished half or even most of your life. Depending on how this next week goes, you may be finished just about all of your life. As you surely know, many Christians have an idea that they call God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. Some people call it fate. I call it shit happens. And sometimes that shit causes you to die. In fact, approximately 1.8 people die every second. Every second. In the time it took me to say that, 10 people died. You said that you had a panic over the idea of pure nothingness after death. What I think you're really panicking about is how you perceive that imagined feeling of nothingness all around you as a living being. To just wake up one day in a big nothing would surely be enough to cause a panic. But of course, that isn't what happens. You have to compare it to something else. I don't know where you live, but right now, somewhere in the world, maybe in India or South Africa, someone we don't know has just stubbed their toe. When it happened, how did it make you feel? Well, it didn't make you feel anything because you have no perception of it whatsoever. You have a better chance of feeling a stubbed toe from India than you do of feeling nothingness after death. Death is the universal off switch. The plug is pulled. Perception of our senses and emotions are all just symptoms of being alive. Once we're not, it's simply over. We don't feel regret or fear or any of it. So the way I remain comfortable with this idea is simply by remembering that I won't know that I'm dead. I won't know anything because I won't even be. I know it can be a challenge to warm up to that reality for people that have been raised with the idea of an afterlife. But as I've said before, we have exactly the same amount of evidence in support of an afterlife as we have for the existence of Santa Claus. So before I go getting anxious about either of those things, I'm going to need to see some evidence. Thank you. Number three, we've got one from Cody. First, let me say that Cody's original email was longer and covered a lot of ground, 
So I edited it down to basically just focus on his question. I found your podcast two weeks ago, and I really enjoy what you're doing. I'm about halfway through them. I was baptized as a Mormon when I was young. Later in life, my parents split. My father had me baptized Catholic. When I was in high school, I figured out I was an atheist. Now that I've been listening to your podcast, I realize that I align more with the seven tenets. With that being said, I don't believe in compassion for everyone. For example, the homeless. I don't feel bad for them. Most of them are there because that's what they want. Do what you want, but don't expect me to help you if you don't help yourself. Or take people that are paralyzed. If you're born like that, then yes, I feel compassion. But if you do something stupid and do it to yourself, then oh well, live with it. With the lack of compassion for others, would I be considered a Satanist or not? All right, Cody. There's a lot there. The question is, with the lack of compassion for others, would I be considered a Satanist or not? I'll give you the simple answer first. Yes, you can be considered a Satanist. The one and only thing that makes a person a Satanist is that person choosing to identify as a Satanist. That's it. What is a Satanist anyway? Let's start there. Satanism is a religious or philosophical veneration of Satan. If you have that, you're a Satanist. But of course, that's the most broad umbrella term that covers so many different specific things. Outsider Satanism, Levian Satanism, TST's corporate Satanism are a few of the specific sects of Satanism that are out there. But you specifically pointed toward the seven tenets, so let's focus in that direction. The tenet that seems most relevant here is number one. Tenet number one from TST says, one should strive to act with compassion and empathy toward all creatures in accordance with reason. I've talked about these tenets many times, and the important part of that one is where it says, in accordance with reason. Of course, everyone's sense of reason is entirely subjective and unique. And as you pointed out, your feelings or actions are in accordance with reason as defined by you. You explained that most homeless people are homeless because they actually want to be homeless, and that people who are disabled due to a stupid decision deserve to be disabled, and therefore you feel no compassion for them. Now, let me paint a picture for you, Cody. Let's say you're 18 years old. I choose 18 because that means you're an adult. You're able to live on your own, fight in a war, and vote in every election. One night, you and some friends are out partying a bit. You're hanging out. Maybe there's some drinking. It's about time to go home, and your friend, the driver, has had some beers. You shouldn't get in the car with him, obviously. That would be stupid. Deep down, you know you shouldn't. But he says he's fine. He seems fine. He's not completely shit-faced or anything. Well, as it turns out, he had enough to impair his ability to drive properly. He wrecks that car with you in it, and you get hurt pretty badly. Now you're disabled. 
let's use your example and say you're paralyzed for life, all because you did what some might call something stupid. Another way to say it is that you made a mistake. You like those seven tenets, and of course one of them reminds you that people are fallible, which is to say they make mistakes. So if it were you, Cody, that made a mistake and resulted in your being paralyzed, would you realistically hope for or expect some compassion? Would you feel deep down that you were deserving of such a fate because of your stupid mistake? And regardless of your answer, consider this version of the story. All of it is exactly the same. 18-year-old, at a party, car crash, paralyzed. Only it's not you, Cody. It's your daughter. Is your daughter, who you love unconditionally more than anything else in the world, deserving of such a fate? Would you truly not feel compassion? Because after all, she did it to herself. She made the stupid choice. So, to wrap this up, yes, you can have your current views and be a Satanist. And you said, I don't believe in compassion for everyone. And I agree with that. Everyone is too far off to one extreme. That's unrealistic. But if I were you, I would give some real thought about what it is inside you that makes you so unable or unwilling to feel compassion for others. You're a very young person, and it's my hope that this is just a symptom of that. I'd like to think that the ease with which you employ empathy and compassion will grow and develop as you do. And just as a side note, I would go do some research about homelessness because it's fair to say that your current assessment of it could not be farther from the truth. And we all want the truth. You don't want to run around the world with such terribly misguided ideas like that. Thank you, Cody. Next up, we've got Eric. Long story short, for the last few years, I have been researching, reading, listening, watching, you name it, both TST and Church of Satan, and have come to the conclusion that I do not fully fit into either. I stumbled across your Outsider Satanism episode and website and wanted to ask how to go about learning more and participating. Hearing you talk about it on the Satanic Values episode, it was the first time I was able to hear someone talk about it exactly how I have been feeling. All right. Thank you, Eric. I would say that is one of the most common sentiments I've been hearing about outsider Satanism in general. Stuff like, I don't fit exactly with TST or Church of Satan, and outsider Satanism feels like a really good mix or idea. And really, that's how I felt. That's how it began, I suppose. As far as learning more and participating, there are a few things. This podcast is an outlet that I'll use when I have something to present, like the last episode, for example, which was Critical Thinking and the Pursuit of Knowledge. That's an essay that feels complete, and it's a good piece of the fundamentals of outsider Satanism. I plan to do that with each of those values. And with each one, when the time comes, I will probably do a similar episode. 
But long before that essay is posted on the website or talked about on here, I have discussions and debates about things with folks in Satanic Delco all the time. As the initial list of those values was coming together, I was having a ton of open discussion with people on our Discord server about them. So as far as participation is concerned, that's just something I do with the gang in Satanic Delco. I'm sure not everyone is interested in joining a congregation, but for those who are, there isn't a better one out there. Satanic Delco is the birthplace of outsider Satanism, and that's where it will continue to be developed. So by all means, join up with us over there if you're into that and jump right in and participate. There are lots of opportunities to do that. Thank you, Eric. For our next question, I'd like to have Jerry help answer it. Luckily, I have a Jerry right here. The question is, Jerry, what is your favorite satanic coffee? There's only one answer to that, Joseph. Oh. And that's Satan Street coffee. You're goddamn right. Fuck yeah, it is. And You've been say, drinking it and I've loving it. Drinking it, having it every day. My 12-ounce bag is just about to be done. There's a lot of bags in my life that are about to be done. You're going to order some more, you suspect. Free shipping. Yeah. Free shipping all over the nation. It gives me, and it lets me know that 6.66% of that value goes directly towards your TST. That's right. It does go to them. Yeah. <laughs> it goes to them. Yeah. Uh, what no. else? Tell us some of the important information. We know that the well, stuff, their coffee is ethically sourced, mm-hmm. GMO free, all that type of right. stuff. What else have we got? All deliveries are carbon neutral. A portion of these sales go towards carbon capture activities through Shopify Planet. What does that mean? It means they, they give to Shopify gives something to the world. Back to this planet where right. my daughter lives and your son lives. All right. So we know that when I know when I'm drinking this hot hell coffee, that it's going to the planet and it's doing the great things. And I enjoy that. Now, sincerely, you've been enjoying it. I do. I do enjoy it. You've told me, Jerry has told me personally, he brings this coffee with him to his job and brews it there. Is that right? Well, yeah, because we have a, a little craft. Otherwise, we'd be using K-cups. I don't like K-cups. I got to sit right. there. Those also, are made by slaves. Right. And also, I got to sit there. And do it in front of the people uh, in the in the service area. Of course, you know where yeah. I work. There was a big expose. People. Those people make their coffee with slaves, 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 and sometimes yeah. human flesh. Yeah, and I don't want that. And these guys, SatanStreetCoffee.com, they do not use slaves or human flesh. I mean, it's, it, despite what you think, okay, oh, Satan, all that other stuff. This guy's not evil. This whole thing's not evil. Yeah. It's actually legitimately. Good coffee. I mean, he might be. We don't know. I don't, I don't. But the coffee's not even. Mm, the coffee, listen, it, there's a, we don't talk about a lot of shit that we like here. I don't like a lot of things. Yeah. I like this coffee, though. Yeah. I, li- I also like... Yeah, you're that, a coffee drinking man. You have uh, how much coffee you drink every day? You I would have say every at least day, right? four cups. Really? And this stuff is powerful. You're drinking it every day, four cups? Yeah. Wow. Also, right. I do want to say something. Okay. So he's giving, this cat's giving away 6.66% to yeah. the other guys. Uh, also gives you 6.66% for subscribing. To oh, his yeah. coffee of yeah, the Yeah, if you month do the club. subscription, you get a discount, and also it ships out on the day that it's, it's whatevered, well, and then it's free shipping. That's great. I like that. But I do, I do, want, to, I do want to give some advice to okay. Satan Street Coffee. Do it. That's 13.33% of your profits. Let's make some money. Yeah, guys, it, these it, are a newer small business, these guys, SatanStreetCoffee.com, and they're trying to get the word out to some Satanists who like coffee. So here we are. Support them. Support Go them. over there. You know, throw them a bone. Right, Get go, some good coffee. Go to, Fuck it. Go to satanstreetcoffee.com. Satanstreetcoffee.com. Hit the jingle. For the best satanic coffee, go to Satan Street Coffee. Satan Street Coffee is the best. Fuck yeah. 
All right, let's get back to some questions here. We've got one from Haley. What do you think of all the news about the after-school Satan Club? People are fighting to keep them out, and there have even been some bomb threats. Yes, TST's after-school Satan Club has been getting lots of headlines lately. It's almost as if that's what it was designed to do. I do have some feelings about it. First, about these bomb threats. Luckily, the threats so far have all been harmless pranks. There haven't been any bombs or any attempts to hurt anyone. These have been people trolling the trolls to get what they want, which is a model they may have learned from the Satanic Temple directly, right? You want a thing to not happen, so you create an option that is scary enough that the opposition will back down to avoid the consequences of your success. The difference in this case is that it's a threat of physical violence, and that is obviously not cool at all. I think the people making those threats are dicks. Now, as for the after-school Satan Club itself, the rap on the club was always like, we're not proselytizing, we're not teaching about Satanism, we're just teaching kids to be critical thinkers. I don't know if you all have seen the photos out there from these clubs. They make these big banners to put in the room of a fun cartoon Satan designed to appeal to children. It is clearly branded with the Satanic Temple right on it. And they do little lessons and activities based on the fundamental principles of their religion. They give the kids pizza, they do fun activities, and they all get a ton of attention, which kids love. How are the kids going to feel about it? They're going to love it, obviously. And it all gets to be directly associated with this religious organization in their minds. Satanism is fun, Mom! Hail Satan! In my opinion, the answer to the problem of religious indoctrination in schools is not more religious indoctrination in schools. If you want to prove a point about plurality, you can find a way to do it other than sneaking your religion on little kids. Since the very beginning, TST's whole tactic has been a tit-for-tat. If they do it, we'll do it too. And I get it. I'm on board with it. That's fine when it's placing a Baphomet monument on public grounds to offer a counterpoint to a Ten Commandments monument. But to me, it stops being fine when you say, they indoctrinate children in school, so we'll indoctrinate children in school too. I think that sucks. And you could say, it's not indoctrination, it's not proselytizing. You could say that. You would be wrong. That's what it is when Christians do it, and that's what it is when any other religion does it. And if it looks so much like indoctrination that you would even have to bother saying that it isn't indoctrination, then yeah, there's a problem. And recently they took a new step. After School Satan Club held a family movie night. They rented out a school theater and sold tickets to a screening of Fern Gully, which is, of course, an animated film for children. After the movie was done, 
the trained members of this religious organization held a tenet talk where they discuss with the children the ways that the fundamental tenets of their religion were represented in the cartoon that was just shown to them. This is a systematic indoctrination of children. The kids come for the cartoon, and while they're seated, they get treated to a religious discussion. And I'm not even going to get started on TST's newer HAIL program, which is maybe even worse. If you don't know what that is, go ahead and search on TST's website. You should find it. If you want to counter religious programming in after-school clubs, good. That's a good idea. The best counter to a religious club is a non-religious club. Get in there with the after-school science club and take your corporate religious branding off of it. Teach them critical thinking. Give them some fun little physics experiments to do. The possibilities are endless, really. If the motivation is sincere, go preach science without your religious branding and headline chasing. Fuck. Next up, from Art, he writes, I really enjoy your podcast. It makes me think even more outside the box. In one of the episodes where you ask some members what they tell their children about the existence of God, I was surprised to find out that none of the parents were disregarding the existence of God completely. Do you think it might be because they are American and therefore are more prepositioned to be more accepting of silly Christianity and other mono-religions than people in Europe, for example? Yes, I think that probably has a lot to do with it. I have more of a truth over tradition mindset personally, and that's reflected in the way I parent. But a lot of folks do go pretty soft on this part, and it always surprises me. People say things like, I want my kids to be free to choose for themselves. I don't want to force them into anything. Well, yeah, of course they will choose for themselves, but we have to arm them with knowledge. We have to arm them with the ability to discern reality from bullshit. There's only one answer to, Dad, is God real? No, son, he sure as fuck isn't. He's about as real as the Easter Bunny. I hear parents get wishy-washy about this because it touches on religion. But facts are facts. When part of a religion starts to contradict science, which side are we on? Do we prioritize evidence or do we prioritize we have to respect everyone's beliefs? Do we? Flat earth, virgin births, human resurrection. We just have to respect it all? I don't. I respect everyone's right to be dumb. But I'm certainly not going to offer stupidity up as an equally appealing option or treat every insane, unrealistic belief with respect or dignity. Thank you, Art. Number seven, we've got one from Uno Photo Art. What is your rebuttal for someone who says Satanism is a selfish practice? Well, it kind of is. Or at least it could be, depending on which kind of Satanism one subscribes to. 
Anton LaVey advocated for greed. And greed is defined as intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. So for a LaVeyan Satanist, they might proudly say that Satanism is a selfish practice. For me, this is a case where balance plays an important role. Balance is one of our core values in outsider Satanism. Selfishness is at one far end of the spectrum, and maybe selflessness is at the other end. I think the best answer, at least from the outsider Satanism perspective, is somewhere in the middle. By default, we need to keep a reasonable focus on ourselves. We have to prioritize our own needs, health, and general well-being. As more people enter our inner circle in our life, we need to do our best to maintain that balance. Do you have a partner? Do you have children? Do you have pets? Now there are considerations and compromises to be made. If you drift too far toward either end of the spectrum for too long, it's going to cause problems. Naturally, as we live our lives, there is surely going to be some ebb and flow to all of this. For example, if your partner is going through a certain something this month, maybe you need to focus less on yourself temporarily in order to be a helpful partner. Maybe next month you'll be going through some things and you'll need to take a little extra time to focus on yourself to get back on track. This is the outsider Satanism way. And I won't get too far off track But another of our core values in outsider Satanism is celebration of the self. And that one talks specifically about the need to prioritize self-care. I don't know that I exactly answered that question, but that's what came to mind. Thank you. Next up, we've got one from Sizemore. How can Satanists bring more awareness to the kind, loving side of being Satanists without being ridiculed by other religions? getting the stigma out of people's heads. Okay, here's what we can and should do. First and foremost, we must remove their power. We remove their power by not caring what they think and not going out of our way to appease them and play by their rules. We are definitely going to be ridiculed by other religions. They will ridicule us for one of two main reasons. In some cases, it will be out of a feeling of superiority. They feel genuinely superior. And then in some cases, it's because they feel insecure. They feel afraid or challenged in some real way. In both of those cases, it makes them the asshole. I think any effort to eliminate that directly would be a fool's errand. I think we have to lead by example and do what we think is right and do it for the right reasons. If we're doing the right thing, we can let the world see it without any guilt or shame. In almost every endeavor, it's far better if your intentions are pure. Create because you want to create. Do good because you want to do good. Don't do it out of fear or obligation or to show the world how virtuous you are. In time, if we keep at it, 
the world will see. Person by person, town by town, people will begin to get the message. It's the long game for sure. And at the end of it, if there were an end, there would still be those who refuse to get it. But who has time for them? Not me. Thank you, sir. Next up is Andrew. TST recently lost their court case against queer satanic. What do you think about that? You know, I don't think I have much to really say about this one. Um, I won't get into the background on all of it because it's a whole long story, and perhaps many of you are already aware of it. This one has some similarities and some differences when compared to the case of the satanic housewife. The queer satanic folks did some wrong shit. They knew they were doing wrong, and they chose to do it anyway. In that sense, I suppose they deserved some sort of consequences. Having said that, the way TST has used funds to carry on this spiteful slap suit against them is fucking ridiculous. TST isn't proud of their actions here, which is why they keep it a secret from you. And they sure as fuck don't want anyone to know what they spend to keep this suit going. I think it's shitty all around, and there is really no good guy to root for in this case. I would like it to just end and go away. Thank you, Andrew. Kevin is next. He writes, Playing devil's advocate. If Christianity means so little to us Satanists, why choose an overtly Christian character to represent our cause? Given we've no desire to associate ourselves with such a toxic religion, why use him when we could just remove ourselves from the body of work that is the Bible and all its folly? I know there must be a cleaner way to word that, and I understand it in my own way, a rebellion of sorts, but still makes me wonder why I didn't continue on with my atheistic life. Perhaps the figure of Satan is particularly attractive, but still tied to the Christian Bible quite a bit. All right, Kevin, you started by saying, if Christianity means so little to us Satanists, and I think that may be inaccurate. I think for various reasons, Christianity holds some significant importance to many, if not most, Satanists. Obviously, we don't align with or enjoy Christianity for ourselves, but it's not a super casual feeling like, yeah, I don't really like bananas. That's a pretty casual feeling. But when it comes to Christianity, some Satanists have a personal history with that religion. For some, it might just be a brush with it early in life, but for some, it can be an intense religious trauma of some kind. And of course, there's lots of space in between those things for any number of experiences that can involve one's family or friends or life. And for other people, the connection to Christianity is more related to the idea of religion in government. The fact that here in the United States, it sometimes feels like people are working toward an actual Christian theocracy. So for these reasons and plenty of others— people feel strongly enough about a rebellion toward those things that a direct opposition to Christianity feels most appropriate. Thank you, Kevin. Scarlett is next. She writes, I'm an elementary school teacher and openly Satanist. 
Some of my students ask questions about my jewelry and accessories, Baphomet pendant, etc. It's how I choose to express myself very subtly, but I'm not so sure of how to respond. I want to educate so they understand, but I'm also fully against the indoctrination of any religion, especially in a work or school setting. I'm not scared or worried of judgment. I understand children are curious, but I don't know if it's my place to tell them what it means. How would I approach this? All right. First, let me say that I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think if it means that much to you personally to express your religion at work to the kids, then that's your call. I can tell you what I would do. I would assume that if I take a job teaching whatever certain curriculum to children in a school, that my own personal religious expression isn't a part of it. It probably wouldn't occur to me to wear things that are expressing my religion Because why would I need to express my religion to random children that I'm trying to teach math or English or science to? Now, if a kid came up to me and asked if God exists, just like I said earlier, I would simply give them an honest, factual answer and say no. But unless I'm in a religious studies class, I can't imagine I would do anything to provoke that conversation. So it really all depends on how far you feel motivated to take it. If you choose to open the door to the discussion by wearing things that will get their attention, you have to decide what kind of answers feel appropriate to you and what kind of answers you think your employer will approve of. Because once a kid hears an answer that feels interesting enough to tell their parents about, there's a fair chance that parent is going to want a discussion with you or your boss. Thank you, Scarlett. All right, we've got just one more, and it is a bit longer, so bear with me. We've got this one from Emily. Joseph, it seems to me like one of the primary criticisms XTST members have is that their brand of Satanism has become rigid and dogmatic. I agree with your past claims that the seven tenets are written vaguely enough to seem reasonable to as many people as possible. While we might expect that would open up interesting dialogues and a diversity of ideas within TST, too often I see people join Satanic Delco saying that they didn't fit into the culture of their local congregation and felt unwelcome. There seem to be overall agreed-upon correct interpretations of the seven tenets, and we're not even getting into how quickly people will defend and minimize the issues with or failures of TST as an institution. I myself was banned from my local TST congregation purely for mentioning that I'm a member of Satanic Delco. I'm troubled by the fact that TST claims to represent outsiders and rejects, but seems to have created their own in-group. I hear similar complaints out of the Church of Satan. How can we, as outsider Satanists, ensure our ideas don't die on the vine like this? I'd like to hear your thoughts, but here are some of mine. While we grow as a community, we need to be able to ask tough questions about the culture we've created. As an artist, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is that it's never too late to redo something. Nothing is sacred. If an idea isn't working, we must throw it out, even if we don't want to, even if it will piss off long-term members or good friends, and even if it temporarily makes us look bad. 
This isn't a choice we make once, but rather a continual one. We always need to be asking if members, especially new ones, feel comfortable. If we've become too sure of our beliefs and ideals, and if our actions as a community align with those ideals. That's not to say we should be people-pleasers, but rather to make sure that as Satanists, we continue to be dynamic in a rapidly changing and fascinating world. Some people may want Satanism to be a consistent belief system which acts as their rock. To them, I say, you're already dead. The devil moves quickly, and so should we. The day we stop questioning our beliefs, stop accepting different lifestyles, and stop seeking out new information is the day we have chosen to be left in the dust, forgotten by time. Christians say that God is unchanging and unwavering, so Satan must be the father of change and self-assessment. Interested in hearing back from you. Well, guys, I'd like to introduce the new host of the podcast, Emily. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty much right there with you. Let me try and touch on a few of the things you mentioned. First of all, you are not the first one to be banned by a TST group simply for mentioning or being a member of Satanic Delco. Those groups often feel very challenged by the way Satanic Delco has been able to thrive for years outside of the restrictive TST franchise system. I do think that behavior is counter to the very core ideals of Satanism, but so be it. They get butthurt. Now, allow me to ramble just a bit here. You mentioned the idea of making members feel comfortable while also not falling into being people-pleasers. And that is a very important balance. And another aspect of that balance is staying true to the philosophy or idea that it was all built on in the first place. On one hand, you have a philosophy or a basic premise of some kind that serves as the basis for the existence of the group. In our case, it's Satanism. But it could be football or heavy metal. It's really easy to create a space based on a common interest, just let everyone in and have it play out. And that works best if the goal is simply to amass the largest amount of people in the thing as you can. The other way to do it, the way that I prefer to do it, is more of a focus on quality over quantity. I think if you're very hands-on and you make a real effort to curate or guide a community, you'll start to attract the right people rather than just all the people. And what I mean by the right people is the people who already feel some sort of genuine alignment with or appreciation for the actual purpose and culture of that community. And at the same time, you'll also deter the wrong people, which would be people who are totally not into the vibe you're aiming for. Use Satanic Delco as an example. We have a little membership fee on the group, and I have this podcast where I express my views and the views of others in Satanic Delco. If you take those things away, it might just be another group with an open door and the label of Satanism slapped on it. Every kind of Satanist, fuckhead, and curious rando would flood in, and many of the people in it would be there to ask about the Illuminati, 
share some memes and leave, or talk about which demons they like praying to the best. And it would be a total shit show. There is an infinite landscape of Facebook groups and Discord servers where you can go and have that experience right now. And lucky you, you can have it all for free. So once there is an overall culture in place and a certain level of trust and respect among the community, you don't need to worry quite as much about pissing everyone off or walking on eggshells to please everyone. But getting to that point is the hardest part. It is certainly not simple or quick. I don't know if it can ever be done to absolute perfection simply because of the wildly diverse nature of people in general, let alone rebellious Satanists with wild ideas. But I think if you nurture a community around a good set of values, it will attract people who match those values and culture. Once it becomes a thing, it sort of takes on a life of its own. And naturally, it won't be a perfect fit for everyone for any number of reasons. People are going to come and go. But it's easier to detect when you don't match well with an established culture when there is an established culture in place. And Emily also asked, how do we ensure our ideas don't die on the vine? Once you do establish that culture and that trust, that's when you can really have a pretty open flow of information. People can share ideas and feedback and criticism in every direction. And when changes happen or need to happen in that kind of environment, I think it feels more natural. And again, not every move will please every person, but that's just real life. I think to try and please every last person all the time would be a tremendous failure. Um, did I answer this question at all? <laughs> I hope I did somewhat. But of course, follow up with me on Discord or wherever. We can always keep the conversations going, and we should. Thank you, Emily. And thank you to everyone who has been writing in. I appreciate you. Keep them coming. And if you've got a moment out there, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. Stay safe out there and hail Satan.